Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. Dean, uh, holiday shopping. Oh, yeah. It's right around the corner. Yes. Maybe you already started. Have you started yours yet? Not one bit. I've no. done a couple things. <laughs> oh, really? I got some stuff saved in my Amazon cart you oh, know, you're for the smart kiddo. like that. I, I'm a big fan of that. I that did idea add one of, thing of to my list. You, so you, you do lists? Uh, yeah, well, okay. that and like yeah, if you yeah. save stuff in your cart, sometimes yeah. the price will change and you can oh. see that as it's happening. Oh. And yeah, so. yeah, we can't do that at our house because everybody's in our shopping cart oh, and then they just okay. hit the buy button. All right, all and then right. all of a sudden all this stuff starts chilling. I get you, I get you. Well, I bring this up because this episode's actually coming out just before Black Friday. Got it. So it's going to be pretty top of mind for uh, consumers. Yes. And yep. obviously it's yep. a very important time of year for retailers, for, for restaurants, sure. hospitality, lots of stuff happening. You know, This is their the Super Bowl. It man. is, yeah. Yeah. And many of them are still struggling, though, with mm. you know how to improve customer experiences mm-hmm. in this increasingly digital, tech giant-dominated world. Yes, indeed. And I'm sure it's going to be top of mind for them again this year, as it always is. For sure. That's kind of a big a basis of our conversation today. We All have right. uh, we have uh, Frederick Carlegrim today coming on from nice. Toshiba. Yes. He's going to be talking to us a little bit about a... There's a really cool white paper that Toshiba put out about the, the customer innovation and yes. retail experience uh-huh. and how to improve those experiences. Yep. So we're going to dive into a little bit of that. He's going to help us find out a little bit about how customer expectations, where they are, how we got to where we are right now. I think we kind of know, but you know, he'll he'll probably have some good insights on that. We'll talk about some of the challenges of you know why it is that they're having trouble getting to those customer experiences. Mm. A couple things like intention versus implementation, mm. physical versus digital experiences. <laughs> And then keeping up with all of us demanding customers that insist on everything right here, right now, when oh, I want it. Like, are you one of those? I think so. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I try not to be, but yeah, we all get spoiled and, Absolutely. and, and want it. So yeah. there you now! go. Now! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all that plus our usual value to the VAR. What's tech connecting with us? It's time to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. As I mentioned, our guest today, Frederick Carligren, he is the Toshiba Vice President of Global Marketing, somebody that knows a thing or two about what's happening out there in the world. Uh, Frederick, thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate having you on the show. Tell us a little about yourself, your background. How did you get to where you are at Toshiba? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I love that studio uh, vibe there. It's really great to be part of this conversation. Uh, Like I said, important topic this time of year, uh, any time of year, really, right? But especially now. Uh, so I've been with uh, Toshiba Global Commerce Solutions uh, really since we were founded, uh, which was uh, 11 years ago, but previous to that with IBM and the Retail Store Solutions Division. So about 20 years in retail, I've been everything on the from the product management side and brought new solutions to market, uh, sales and, and run solutions architect teams, working directly with customers and uh, you know helping them implement new solutions. And now the last few years, uh, heading up our marketing communications uh, Group within Toshiba Global Commerce Solutions. So right here in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. Nice. Go, nice. nice. Well, as always, our favorite type of people we have on the show is the person who's been been around the horn. Yes. Been on all sides of this conversation. Has greater expertise than we do. <laughs> yes. We uh, always yes. lean on our subject exactly. matter experts. Let's be honest. If it was just us every episode, oh. we would have this podcast would have died 165 episodes ago. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, how yeah, far? Yeah, yeah, We're yeah. on 168, 169 right. at this point. Yeah. <laughs> we wouldn't have made it very long. So uh all right. Well, hey, Frederick, we appreciate you being here. And you know, as I mentioned, we want to break down this this really excellent mm. white paper that Toshiba published over the summer yeah. that really talks about the three big challenges that retailers and restaurants are facing when it comes to the idea of improving customer 
experience. Mm -hmm. So before we get into that, though, let's start off by I'm curious from your perception, again, as someone who's kind of been in this world for quite some time now and has seen all these ebbs and flows and changes over the years. What does customer expectations look like to you? Where has it been? Where are we at right now? And what do you think has led us to where we are? Yeah, well, it's a great question. You know, we uh, part of Toshiba been in the retail industry for over 50 years. Uh, so, you know, over the course of that time, if you're not going to go through a full history of retail, I don't think that's uh, you know where we want to go. But it's obviously seen a lot of ebbs and flows right? from uh, the, the traditional retailing around point of sale being the true heart and it still is in a lot of ways. But commerce itself has evolved. I think the consumer just expectations in general. Uh, COVID accelerated, of course, the changes in behaviors. We, we've all, you know, had those conversations, and and I think you know, you're seeing some of that continue, right? Some of the the expectations of that uh, self service mentality and mindset in many different facets, right? Of how consumers can get more information, uh, you know, search, purchase, transact, return more in, in a self service manner. We continue to see that, and a lot of implications for that. You know, at the end of the day, um, you know, try to be customer first. Uh, but we also know uh, in our experience working with our big clients, that also means you've really got to focus on those store associates um, and what tools and capabilities you're putting it in the hands of your employees in the store. And we'll get to that a little bit more. We actually did some other research recently looking at the difference between corporate headquarters and, re and the store personnel and what are some of the differences and outlooks and perceptions. But one of the things you see a lot is just self-service simplify, uh, you know, how you provide tools and information to, to associates and consumers. I like he's providing a teaser for the, for the rest of the episode. I, know. I, I, yeah. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> he's Is he in marketing? He must be in marketing. <laughs> he must be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But we talk about it a lot around here. I mean, customer expectations have changed. Oh yeah. And, and you know, I'm, I'm a half century old, so I've been around <laughs> and been in retail, consuming retail for a while. And I can tell you that, I mean, just the changes over the last five years, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, a lot has changed. And you get words like frictionless, right? I mean, that's what people want. They want yep. frictionless uh, a type of experience in the retail setting. Uh, they want the, I guess omni-channel is just too old of a word at this point in time. Yeah. But, but you know, some people, it's a dirty that, word at this point. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> but they do want that blended experience, right? They want to be right, able right, to have right. the, the in-store and the online and, and all that together. And just the amount of pressure that that's putting on retail, it, it, it is kind of amazing. And then, yeah. of course, the Amazon effect. And it gets just down to the whole, well, I want it now. Now, daddy kind of a thing and you know it's, i just hit the button and it shows up and right and now hours you yeah. know kind of a yeah. thing and so and i didn't have to get out of my pajamas didn't or have to get couch. out of my pjs no nope. <laughs> yep it just shows up yeah, right kind exactly. of a thing so yeah lots changed oh lots yeah changed. definitely yeah, yeah i mean and i recognize that myself too i, I think about that sometimes as i'm the times when i do set foot in a store for one reason or another and i'm always i'm always like ah man like I haven't done this in a while. I forget, you know, how this even works. Like I gotta go, I gotta go to a down an aisle. I think that's what they call it, and find a thing and put it in a basket that's just and you, walk dude. to. It. That's right, just you. I know. That's just you. I'm I'm yeah. more I'm more averse to the the brick and mortar yes, experience probably yes, than most. Yes, but yes, 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 but yes. again, but to your point though, I think when you do it, most people again still have that expectation of something being a little bit different than mm -hmm. than what they might have done five, 10 years ago mm -hmm. at this point. Mm -hmm. So, well, then let's let's do, Frederick, let's get into some of these challenges that we talked about in this white paper here. The, the first big one is is a gap between intention and implementation. Mm. And a stat that, that, that they call out of there is 92% of retailers think innovation is critical, but only 22% genuinely embrace it. Mm. That's a pretty big gap. That's a gap. Between people basically saying like, hey, we, we know we need to innovate, but we're not really 
going to do going a lot to of that, it, or we're not or, sure how to do it, or we're not really we don't into doing it risk. that much. Yes, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why is there such a big gap there? What do you guys see when you talk to folks about this? And how can we overcome that gap? Yeah, you know, very interesting question, of course, coming from the, the vendor side of things. Uh, a couple of other stats I'll throw in there for you, too. A third of retailers believe that they actually have a mature execution process for their innovation strategy. And only 27%, you know, having any sort of dedicated teams focused around innovation. So, you know, it's at the end of the day, uh, innovation is a word you throw on a, throw around a lot. I like that you threw frictionless out there in the beginning, too, because, you know, innovation without that true intention of how you're removing, I think in particular right now in physical retail points of friction in the shopping experience, you know, that, that's got to be the key. But, you know, that doesn't mean that it's it's uh, straightforward and easy. Of course, uh, retailers have different levels of risk, uh, different budgets uh, and, and kind of considerations for where and how they invest. And, uh, you know, that's something else that we, we kind of dug into in, in some of the research um, is that, you know, the budgets aren't always aligned to that. There's still a lot of perspectives from retailers where budgets are aligned to either supporting uh, digital commerce or physical commerce and not necessarily, uh, you know, together or holistically, right? So, so I think that's one of the challenges because, you know, and then underlying that from a, as a technologist as well, you know, do you really have the platform in place and the, 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 the technology and the architecture in place that makes moving more quickly? And I think we'll touch on that too, right? Speed and how quickly you can adapt to the changing needs of, uh, of what's happening in retail. So, yeah, you know, I will say uh, to your comment earlier, we fully believe in the physical retail environment, you know, uh, and, and you know, but that there are certain areas that absolutely need to be addressed and uh, expectations for consumers to make that a place they want to go. And that's convenient and easy and uh, maybe sometimes even a little fun. Uh, so, you know, innovation plays a role in moving, you know, moving in that direction. And, um, you know, but clearly there's work to do in ensuring that the executive commitment to removing those points of friction are there and you, know, you organize and, and get your budgets aligned to, to that. So there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of considerations and variables at play. There sure are. And one of the things is I was reading this paper that it really kind of jumped out to me because when I put on my reseller hat, I, I connected to this whole mm-hmm. this whole mm-hmm. concept. And that is, you're, you know, you're kind of going up against now I'm talking about the VAR uh, you know, perspective. Mm-hmm. You're going up against the fear and failure and uncertainty that the ROI is going to bring yeah. whenever you try to, you know, what's what's the intention and then the implementation gap. Right. right. So you're you're just dealing with that inertia. Well, like we intend to do it, but how do you break the inertia of actually trying? It. Right, and so right. one of the solutions they say, establish new ways to pilot ideas. I mean, yeah. it's so simple. But if you can just get in the door and do a proof of concept or, you know, get a, get a little bit of the solution off the ground, and in, in, even in the most smallest of ways, it could just be a single store or a single lane mm-hmm. or over in the mm-hmm. corner, we're going to try this concept <laughs> kind of a thing. But just just kind of get the proof of concept off the door. I'm telling you, when I was a, when I was a, a reseller, that was that was key. You know, if you could get in the door that now you can start having a meaningful conversation, because other than that, it's just it's theory. Right. It's like, oh, we're just talking. It's a whiteboard and and it's theory. But if you can get actually get the solution installed now, you got something you can put your teeth into. So, yeah, yeah, it's a good point. If I could jump in on that. Oh, yeah. I think that's really interesting. You know, one of the things that you know we love in working with the the reseller community and ISVs, you know, the, the relationship we have with our bar is very important part of our business. But 
one of the things that we can contribute to that conversation is the experience we have working across many different retailers in different segments, right? And so, you know, helping uh, you know, really partner with our uh, with our partners, partner with partners is, you know, is an important aspect of it, right? Let's share those best practices. Let's share the insights about what we're seeing in terms of return and different types of uh, investments and, uh, you know, leverage it. At the end of the day, we want to make retail as an industry better. We want to make, you know, this uh, and, you know, find the opportunities for growth across the board. Yeah. And another one that I'll call out here, again, kind of bridging the intention and implementation gap. A lot of folks, you know, worry about, well, okay, so we can implement this, but we don't really have the resources, their expertise to keep up with the training and stuff like that, which is where a partner like Toshiba and their ecosystem does a fantastic job, right? They have the ability to crawl, walk, run with an organization to get implement these new solutions that really, quite frankly, have to be in place by this point in time. You know, when you talk about some of the things that we're talking, you know, the frictionless or the self-service uh, and those types of things. These are these are just table stakes almost to a certain yep. degree. Yep. So, you know, helping your customers, for, again, from a reseller aspect, you know, you need to be able to r- lean on the resources that somebody like a Toshiba will bring to tackle that fear that, that the end user now has of, oh, I don't have the resources or we don't have the expertise on how to handle this new right. whatever, self-service right. station and things of that nature. How are we going to train our staff? You have the resources there to be able to do it. But the, it's important to tackle those issues early on. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think you know the, the, the important point you guys are both making here is this idea that we're far beyond the point where a reseller is, should be approaching their retail and hospitality customers and saying, hey, did you know you guys need to innovate? <laughs> Duh. They they know at this point. They, yeah, if, they should. If, if that's what your attitude is and what you're trying to do, they're going to laugh you right out the door. And that's you're, right. You're, you're not going to get any business with them. So it's it's not about that. It's more about getting in there and explaining and educating on the how, mm-hmm, to your point, mm-hmm. giving them case studies or actual mm-hmm. like test, you know, pr- proof of concept stuff that they can play with, showing them where the ROI is going to come in, mm-hmm. helping them figure out the role that, that we're going to play as partners and the, the ecosystem that we have to tap into. To, mm-hmm. of all the people that can come in and help make this happen. It's yeah. it's not, you know, it's it's no longer a, by the way, did you guys know that you need to be improving customer experience and innovation? No, it's a, hey, we know you're thinking about this stuff and you're trying to figure out how to do it. Let us help you with the how to do it part. Let's let's come in and take a look at your business. Let's figure out ways that we, that innovation that we can close that gap between what mm. you would like to do and think you're capable of doing. Let's let's figure out a way that we can make that mesh together and actually develop some some concepts and some business together to make it work. Hundred uh, percent agree with that, and I like the pivot that Toshiba has made recently. And Frederick, maybe you can comment on this yeah. by embracing more and more of the ISV community, because mm-hmm. you know there's just an understanding that in order for all of us to succeed, ISVs really bring a, a unique angle to it. Yep. Uh, and there's just so much innovation happening on that side of the equation, on the software side of the equation, if you will. Uh, so I, I, I love the move that they're making to, to kind of pivot yeah. and embrace and bring those folks on board. Frederick, you're right. Yeah, a hundred. Hundred percent, hundred percent. There is uh, there's so much that needs to be done and can be done across the board, and and it's so it's not Toshiba versus anybody else. It, it's it's an ecosystem. It takes a village, uh, you know, just like anything this big. And retail, quite frankly, is too important to claim that you can do it, uh, you know, kind of all yourself. So we we fully embrace. Uh, you know, we have a, a separate reseller program, for ISV program, all part of our what we call Together Alliance, uh, you know, program. So. It, it really does uh, point of sale ISVs, other embedded partners we're working with around specific capabilities that they bring to the table. 
um, you know, we're really wide open to to that kind of partnership approach. And um, as we preach, partner, yeah. it's, a, it's all around a partner ecosystem. So how do you bridge that gap between intention and implementation, having the right partners yeah. in the mix? Yeah, exactly. And Very showing helpful. and showing up with those partners. Like, yeah, again, right. when you're when you're out there trying to pitch this business, you bring some of those partners with it whenever you can mm-hmm. to help prove that you know what you're talking about and that you have the the ammunition and the backup to help you get there. too. Yep. So. yep. 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 All right. Good well, stuff. let's let's go into challenge number two here, then, which is combining the physical and digital experiences to improve profits uh, from a from a technology point of view, what do we think needs to happen in, in these brick and mortar stores in order to truly feel like they're an extension of what consumers are experiencing digitally? And then connected with that, how do we convince the retailers then that making those changes is going to actually turn into a profit? That's kind of what we were already discussing is that mm, idea of like yeah, right. helping them understand the intention, you know, the intention part versus the you know, implementation. So how do we do that? How do we get them to understand the idea like, hey, adding digital and figuring out ways to combine what you're doing in store with what you're doing online, or maybe even not even doing online yet is going to make a difference for you, your store and your profits. Yeah. You know, this is where I do think it's important to look at the consumer journey, right. With the, with a brand at the end of the day. And if you kind of lay out that journey map, uh, you know, it's very clear that the points of interaction with a particular retailer uh, varies greatly, right. From mobile to web to store, uh, the expectations of how you know uh, how you know all that works together. Um, you know, we um, we looked at uh, did some other uh, research that we just uh, actually made public yesterday. Ninety three percent of retail decision makers, you know, said that they were committed to and needed to use more consumer customer behavioral data in their physical retail environment. And actually, the opposite was true too. That if you could you know learn more about the physical store retail experience of a consumer and apply that to the the digital commerce space. So you know at the end of the day, it's it's getting that uh, you know getting that information shared. Um, but uh, there's another point that I thought found was really fascinating, which was when we looked at that difference between what corporate headquarters at retailers said versus what they're in store teams said. Uh, and that notion of we call it multi-channel, omni-channel, except those interactions across different channels, the, the insight to that data was vastly, vastly different. I mean, it was uh, you know, two, almost three X the amount of uh, the, the headquarters function thought they had so much more insight in terms of that data than the stores did. Stores have really no idea about the consumer experience with the brand outside of that particular four four walls when they're in there, right? So it, it's you know, to really get the the combination of digital and physical, uh, I think you have to understand how how is your consumer ultimately engaging with you. Um, and, you know, then at that point, you know, from technology plays a role in that, other operational pieces play a role in that. But if, if you, we can go into any one of those in any particular depth, uh, but at the end of the day, I think it comes down to a word you hear a lot, which is personalization. Uh, do you really know the, the customer? Do you really know when, where, and how they've interacted with you so you can deliver an experience that's a little bit more personalized to them? Um, and that's something that we, you know, we've come to expect more and more uh, through pure e-com uh, kind of environments and, and post-pandemic. I think this idea of feeling like you're, you're being uh, uh, you know, presented with something more meaningful. Uh, 
is a key part of the experience when you look at combining that digital and physical. It's, it's fascinating that you brought up some of those statistics because I wouldn't have thought about that. You know, you, when you think about it, if you're a large retail organization, I would think that, well, so, you know, how do I get my thumb on the pulse of what's happening? Right. Well, go out to your stores and talk to people yeah. about yeah. it. Don't sit in the ivory tower, right, and say, <laughs> and have people conduct surveys and stuff like that because you can find out some meaningful information uh, by going out and talking to them. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no doubt. Especially yeah. if, you're, if you're relying on last year's survey data because you know, <laughs> things, things are always changing, even over the course of a year there. Yep. You know, I, I like what you had there to say there, Frederick, about the idea again of, you know, tapping into the data of what's happening on the store with the customers. I think you could also mm. say that about the employees as well. Yep. And I think especially if, if you're running stores or working with retailers that their stores, which let's be honest, most stores are trying to cater to younger crowds whenever they can because it's where the buying power typically mm-hmm, is. Mm-hmm. So if that's the goal, you know, if they, if, if they have younger crowds, well, guess what? Those younger crowds are very, very tech savvy. You know, the, 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 the younger shoppers are consistently getting more and more tech savvy as the rest of us get older and less tech savvy or, you know, or, or, or the ones who at that time necessarily weren't as tech savvy as, we, as, as they currently are. Right. So you've mentioned this before and you've talked about your daughter working in retail, yep. for instance, yep. that, you know, there's times and she would mention that she gets frustrated with something like, oh, this mm-hmm. just doesn't work as quickly and as easily as you want. That's right. I mean, just having some of those conversations and listening to some of those folks tell you, like, what frustrates them about the in-store experience, mm-hmm. whether it's a customer or an employee can can go a long way to helping you understand exactly where there might be issues and where the the merger between what people expect from digital tools and what they experience in a store for sure where that line's getting you know either getting blurred or is so far separate that you need to figure out how to fill it in in some mm-hmm. way so i, I mean yeah. just talk to people let them tell you what they need think about you know think about what you appreciate when you're shopping online or what kind of stores that you visit that you feel like give you a good digital experience yep. so just take a moment and think of yourself as a as a shopper and what you do and don't like and what you think that good stores are doing right and not so good stores are doing wrong mm-hmm. and apply that to how you think about it, you know the solutions that you want to go out and present to your customers well, and too. on that point frederick let's maybe dive a little bit in because you brought it up earlier uh, at kind of the very beginning the whole idea of enabling associates you know when i think about how retail has changed right and in the automation and the frictionless nature of retail what i'm seeing and hearing in the marketplace as well we're going to take our human resources and start converting them more into, you know, the associates and enabling them in different ways, right? Enabling them either through devices or improving the overall customer experience. Are, are, obviously, are you noticing that as well? And, and what do you guys, what are some of your thoughts around that? Yeah, I think it's a, you know, it's a, such an important topic. Uh, you know, technology is never separate from people. And, uh, and the process and the operations and how that technology is used, right? You, can, you can't separate those two. So when, when you look at uh, some of the data and insights that you know, we've gathered, that's certainly part of it. Uh, there's both the consumer expectations to, hey, let me do more on my own. And there's some data that actually is showing we actually don't want to necessarily engage with associates either. You know, we would rather try to do things on our own, find you know, products, check out on our own, but if we have an associate there, then, you know, make it as easy and quick to have that interaction as possible. And from the associate standpoint, the employee standpoint, it's often, look, maybe I have too many tools. I, I, look, I, I'm doing, uh, in this case, and a lot of, depending on the segment we're talking about, you have multiple jobs and things you're supposed to you know, be responsible for. And even though it might be excellent technology, does it give you the information in an easy, convenient way so you can very simply address the needs of the of the shoppers? 
Um, if it's anything more than that, you know, it, it may actually have a counter effect, right, to to the overall impact. So, uh, yeah, very important to uh, you know to look into um, you know how it's actually implemented and uh, and used at the store level. And getting back to the whole front of house, back of house thing, and and, and I did, I bring out, brought up the fact that my daughter, she works at retail and one of the, I don't know, and kind of a nationwide chain, but I think it's fascinating that her role is basically an associate, right? right. She's front of house, but I, I think I told you the story that um, there that this location is also tasked with doing online order fulfillment, right? And and what they were doing was stress testing her particular store to make sure that they could take on the holiday rush that we're now getting into, right. and so. <laughs> They, go? <laughs> they amped up the amount of orders when that went to her store, and, and no, they were like freaking out. Yeah, they went from yeah. maybe fulfillment of five to eight orders to three hundred orders, oh, and no. it's like, okay, you know, so we failed the stress test or whatever. <laughs> but but you see what I'm saying, Frederick? It's it, it's really kind of interesting how this these worlds are now blurring the whole online and even down to the the worker level, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. it's it's different for them too. Um, so I, I'm sure you've seen that or any comments on, on how those worlds are, are kind of blurring too. Yeah. I mean, I'll give you another example. Uh, you know, we working with uh, Wayfair and, you know, obviously a big, uh, e-commerce, uh, player and, and really, you know, has, has done a lot to make that experience a, a, a really positive one, opening up physical retail stores too, right. They've, uh, over the last couple of years, but, you know, so, you know, take an example of how something may be done. Uh, online in terms of order placement, fulfillment, selection, you know, delivery, right? How that's managed. And if you go to a store, you know, maybe typically that would even be a different experience. And now you've created, you know, and, and in this case, the way we're working with Wayfair is actually saying, look, if you've developed that on e-com, right, let's take and port that and your microservices and capabilities and run that on our, our store commerce platform. So, you're creating some consistency then also in terms of not only how the consumers are used to maybe going through the, the flow of, of uh, engaging with a brand in both environments, but employees also, right? So that they're not maybe confused in terms of how they help somebody who placed an order online and they want to then come to the store and find out more information about that. So, you, you know, there it's, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's really important. And that's part of also you know, what drives, uh, you know, the, the profitability and the ROI equation that you talked about, you know, a little bit earlier, right, is, uh, you know, you, you have to understand, yeah, the, the role of tech and how, how it's going to be deployed, how quickly you can move and adapt to, to the needs of the consumers. But that, that's another example that, um, you know, I think uh, might be of interest to the audience here. Yeah, 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 definitely. Well, let's talk about then the last challenge that we had in this white paper, which, you know, is probably the, the big dog that most people are really concerned about, <laughs> which is keeping up with the customer expectations. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's not getting any easier. No. Uh, we're, we're not getting any less stubborn and bullheaded about what we expect and how quickly we expect it. I don't think we're ever going to, let's be honest. That's right. I don't see a day when we all just suddenly go, you know what, it's, it's fine if it takes a couple of weeks for it to get... Get to me. It's it's fine if you don't have what I need when I need it. Not a big deal. Yeah, no. good. I yeah. don't think that's ever going to change. Uh, so how do you, how are you seeing those expectations evolving? What are you guys looking at when it comes to, you know, the the customer expectation, where we think it might be going, and and more importantly, what can resellers and ISVs do right now to to help their customers stay current, stay flexible, keep up with the demands as they're changing, and and maybe the unexpected stuff that might come along the way. Mm. Yeah, I think we hit on it a little bit earlier. And so we'll you know, kind of come back to it, which is you, you, we have to be able to work together to pr give those proof of concepts and, and bring those pilots out more quickly. 
right? One of the things that we hear, we heard this from a CIO recently from one of our pretty major customers say, we need to do more reckless experimentation. This is a CIO at a retailer using the word reckless experimentation. <laughs> and what? That, yeah. Right. It, it, but that's, it was, it was almost jarring, right? When you hear that from, uh, from a, a customer and a CIO, we're not moving fast enough, right? We, we've got to be able to test more. We've got to be able to fail faster if we need to, uh, you know, trial things out. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, well, let me put it on a positive spin together, you know, with the, with the VARs and ISVs, right? We've got to be able to come together and put the capabilities in, in place that allow for that, right? Um, because that's not always easy, especially in a physical retail environment with, uh, you know, technology that maybe doesn't allow that, right? So there are investments and things we need to make and, and, and justifications for that that we need to work on together to show how you get to the point where you can create that environment of, we could call it just speed of experimentation, but I reckless just is a, you know, is the actual word used. I'm not saying we use that everywhere because, you know, some CIOs may not respond well to reckless, but um, you know, nonetheless, that mindset I think is, is really of, of utmost importance. Yeah. And I love how the, the paper also kind of focuses on that customer first that we touched on earlier as well, because in one of the iterations of that or the solutions that comes out of that is the whole personalization. I'll, I'll keep going back to that because I think mm -hmm. that's it's such a powerful concept and where retail is today and where it's going. Uh, you know, people want that. They they like that. They like the personalization, whether it's just, you know, down to an item level, maybe, but even just kind of, you know, when you walk into a place and feel like, oh, th this is responding to me in some way, right, in, a, right. in a personalized uh, type of way. It, it, it is fascinating, but that kind of that cu customer first optic, important to have in mind. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's funny. I was, um, I was out of the mall the other day, not because I was shopping, but because I've become a mall walker at times, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm yeah, getting, yeah. I'm getting old enough that walking around the mall, it seems like a great idea to get some exercise. You're, you're, you're officially old, dude. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, go I ahead. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, you know, it's 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 always fascinating to go to the mall, especially post-COVID now, and see, you know, it's it's very barren, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. A lot of those big anchor stores have gone the way of the dodo or just pulled out, and there's always this kind of like revolving door of stores inside there. But what I am starting to notice, though, is more and more stores that clearly have a a digital first approach and a customer experience approach where mm -hmm. even though it's sometimes very simplistic stores, mm -hmm. you'll walk past them. And I notice it happens a lot with like sporting goods and like mm -hmm. sporting apparel mm -hmm. and uh, fashion apparel stuff where the store has very little product actually out and about. And you mm -hmm. know, like mm -hmm. they're not expecting you to walk in and buy something off a rack. They have some stuff you could potentially more than likely you're going in, you're checking out stuff and they're ordering something for you, either shipped to your home Interesting. or yeah. to, or to yeah, come yeah. back to the store and pick up. Yeah. Yeah. And even I look at something like that, I'm like, man, that's th these are folks like just renting out a little space in a in a mall that, you know, it doesn't get necessarily a massive amount of traffic, but they're doing it still. They're doing it right in a way that they know that if they get someone's attention to come in, look around, get an interesting experience, you know, they'll usually have like TVs up playing a game or something, you know, or mm -hmm. sometimes mm -hmm. even have some video games you can play in, in store, mock-ups of models and stuff wearing all the clothing, you know, in different like places where you can try on outfits. And, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and you just know the intent is to have like a good vibe, basically, yeah. that will lead you to potentially want to buy something. My I look at that and say, if, if a little pop-up shop in a mall can do this and kind of seems to get it, there's no reason why a traditional retailer that's been around for a while or even just a local or regional one 
can't do the same thing as well and meet those expectations. Maybe that's the path to being reckless is going into I, these malls and opening that, up these little pop-up that's, shops that could be where it. they can test these ideas. You know what? You know? Maybe it makes sense because I'm sure there are retailers that are doing that. But, you know, we mm. saw a lot of restaurants start doing that, especially oh, during the sure. pandemic, do those like sure. little concept mm. pop-ups yep. where mm-hmm. sometimes they weren't even opening up a physical location or it was just like a little location they popped open where you could come in and grab something or, more importantly, you could order online mm-hmm. and just narrow their focus on, like, salads or burgers or something like that. I don't see why retailers couldn't potentially do that too. And that would be your great way to, because I guarantee you, it probably doesn't cost you a lot to grab a little slot in a mall at this point <laughs> right. to throw up a shop for a couple months and try something Get a little out. little data. So, but, yeah, but I think it, it just speaks to the whole, what, what Frederick was saying, you know, fail fast, right? I, I, I totally get that concept. And innovation kind of needs to have that optic. You know, yeah. how, how do you keep up with rapidly changing customer expectations? Well, you got to try stuff and you yeah. got to fail fast and you got to have an ecosystem. I think it gets back to the ecosystem uh, of, of partners that can enable that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you mm-hmm. have to be able to lean on those folks because obviously clearly if you're innovating you're getting maybe out of your core a little bit and you have to have great relationships good you know and with with good service providers that you can kind of pivot and do those kinds of things really fascinating definitely all right well hey before we talk a little bit more about toshiba and how they really fit into this picture and their focus on innovation and customer experience yes uh, we want to as always thank the the sponsors of our technic podcast our technic program big thanks to, to toshiba for Absolutely. sponsoring this particular episode and lending us frederick to chat with today we appreciate having him on hey if you if you're liking what you're seeing here whether this is the first episode you've ever watched or listened to or the 160 whatever we're on right now yes uh, if, if you're not telling us that you like this, it doesn't, you know, we don't know what, what we're, what we're, I mean, we know what we're we know doing what we're at this doing. point, yeah, but yeah. we don't know how much people really like what we're you doing. You can have so, a voice. How about yeah, that? There you go. You can have a voice. So if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button, leave us a comment, subscribe to Blue Star's YouTube channel. Uh, if you're listening on any audio podcast of your choice, if there are, you know, if there's a way to, you know, provide a review, give us a rating or something, especially on Apple Podcasts, please take a quick moment to do that, even if it's just to say, hey, I like what you guys are doing, you know, or you can even say, hey, I don't like what you guys are doing. I mean, I don't know why you take the time to do that. We'll take the feedback. We'll take the feedback either way, (laughs) as long as it's constructive and you tell us what you want. Yes. And as always, if you do have ideas for the show, topics you want to hear about, uh, folks you want to hear from, vendors that you'd like for us to talk to, software partners, whatever, uh, you can always need to tell us what's going on there. You can always find a link in the show notes to drop us a suggestion just for doing it. We send you a Technic Podcast t-shirt. That's right. T-shirt. There it is. Simple way to get a free t-shirt just for sending an idea into us. You can also email us those ideas or chat with us anytime by emailing techconnect at bluestarinc.com. And, and Frederick, this is where I want you to tell us a little more about Toshiba's role in this, mm. in all of this we've talked about. Obviously, you guys put together this great white paper, and you did it for a reason because mm. you wanted to show, you know, what you understood about what was happening in the industry, and also, you know, how you guys are are understanding what's going on out there and fit into the picture. So, tell us a little bit more about your embrace of innovation, your focus on customer experience, and and how that can help our VARs and our and the ISVs that we work with to go out and sell some solutions. Yeah, you know. First of all, if you're not as familiar with Toshiba Global Commerce Solutions, you know we we are retail. Uh, that's literally our, our core values is around retail. <laughs> when we talk about respect, empowerment, teamwork, adaptability, integrity, leadership, like we live and breathe retail. That that is what we do, and you know, hospitality and, and various you know, you know kind of related retail segments, and that that is uh, you know so we're we're committed to that and what investments are required in order to to help you know, our retail customers 
be successful at what they do, right? Uh, and and so as we said, obviously that takes a, uh, a partnership and an ecosystem with both of ours and ISV. So you know what we um, from a portfolio standpoint, those investments, you know, we also really pride ourselves in having breadth in that in portfolio, right? So whether it's uh, our traditional point of sale, hardware, printers, self checkout. Uh, services uh, across the board and uh, and our e-commerce platform capabilities around Alera. So you know, we also look for ways to make sure that we have a portfolio that we can partner and relate and work with various bars and uh, ISVs, but depending on the different segments, you know, it's obvious that there are some common core needs across the, the industry, but there are some very specific requirements. And that's where you know we really are excited about the types of partnerships that we have with uh, you know with the, the ISPs and the VARs. I mean, one of the examples uh, that we're focused on just to just to give one of many examples without calling out specific names, but uh, you take what's happening in uh, in uh, grocery where you know we do have a, a big play. There's a lot of that synergy with restaurant now, right? So you get a lot of restaurants within grocery, uh, different types of food court environments inside are connected to grocery environments, right? So there's there's a whole new grocerant uh, environment out there. That is a great example of where this really needs to come together, where the ISV bar, you know, Toshiba's can really come together with a full solution. Uh, you know, that's what we see a lot uh, anyway, is that, that move from you want to be modular and be able to move quick, but you also want to make sure that you are thinking about the future direction of where those technology investments and, and the partnerships that you invest in are going to take you. And so it's not putting together you know lots of disparate solutions that are best in class necessarily. It's understanding how does that all work together, and uh, you know what what does that look like when I want to take the next step a year from now, two years from now, et cetera. So. You know, that's just some of the, the way that we think about it in terms of the importance of, of really embracing that uh, the ecosystem and then uh, you know, putting the programs in place to make uh, make everyone successful in the process. If I was an ISV, you know, company, I would say, you know, many of them sit back and they kind of look at our whole world. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, what does the retail landscape technology landscape look like? And it's got to be highly confusing <laughs> because there's so many options out there. But what Toshiba brings to the table, in my mind, is stability is is the knowledge i mean they've been in the industry for i what is it frederick since not uh, since retail started but you know obviously but well, <laughs> well not quite decades, but, uh, right? but over 50 years there you go over there 50 go. years they know exactly what they're talking about right, right. they have the expertise and that's that's so critical you know if you're looking to get your business running in the retail environment i mean why would you not hook your wagon to somebody like that and yeah, that has all yeah. that experience all that knowledge and the hardware to, to enable that just on the isv yeah. Yeah. It's it's rather obvious on the reseller front. I think most re resellers understand the value that Toshiba is bringing to the table and and the quality of products that they manufacture. So yep. uh, really good stuff there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I know like you know Toshiba GCS is kind of new to us to Blue Star yes. you know, uh -huh. in, in, yep. in our relationship. But again, obviously, I've been out there and doing this for a while. So if you do want to learn and understand more about them and what they offer, one I will obviously put the link to that white paper in our show notes. So you can go check out and read that more thoroughly. There's a lot more detail in there than than what we went over. Yeah, but. Also, sure. you guys did a great webinar with us a couple months back where you kind of where we, you filmed it inside your actual customer experience yes. center. Yes. Really cool little place where yep. you can probably go and visit and take your customers you and can. show them off things you too. You absolutely can. 
Uh, but I highly recommend checking that out because they did some hands-on, you know, look at some of the, the technology that you guys have to offer, nice overview of some of the various, you know, self-checkout mm. and, and, and point-of-sale technologies that you have. So I, I'll put that link in the show notes also. I definitely recommend checking that out. It's a good way to get to know Toshiba's products and understand what they what they have to offer out there. Yeah, so, yeah. Can, I, can I just piggyback off that yeah. for, for a second? Because, uh, yeah, we're really proud of that studio. And one of the things that important for the audience here to know is it, it's not just for us to talk directly with our, our customers, right? We we would love to use that space. Uh, we either inviting partners down with us uh, in the studio to do customer presentations. We can use it to just let you know as our as partners of what we do, so you can see without necessarily coming to our headquarters in North Carolina. Uh, there are so many ways we can use that uh, that studio to really showcase. Uh, everything we have going on. So I want to invite everybody to, yeah, take a look at that. Uh, as you said, the link that you're going to share, but uh, we would really love an opportunity to uh, to showcase that firsthand and let you use it as well when you're talking to uh, prospective uh, customers. There, there you go. go. Yeah. The speed of innovation through that, through a, a center like that. Exactly. Absolutely. You've got something yeah. like that. You got to use it. You got to get to go out there and put well, that to use. So got that right. if nothing else, it'll just wow people just being able to see something because it's just, that's not the norm. That's not the, well, I usually mean, people it, show up in your environment and maybe bring you something to look at. No, you know, but, absolutely. Yeah. But this is an opportunity to go, you know, really see some stuff in, in, in progress. This is still an, an industry where people like to kick the tires to yep. use air, air quotes. <laughs> yeah. And what better way than go to an innovation center and say, there Hey, here it is right here. And there you, you know? go. Yeah. Maybe, maybe don't kick the product too hard, no but, well know. actually you can kick toshiba stuff it'll it'll still <laughs> it'll work. probably hold up yeah it'll, it'll, it'll still run, run. It's, it's good for a while yeah <laughs> there you go all right so like i said check out the show notes find those links uh, to, get, to learn a little bit more about what toshiba has to offer uh let's wrap things up as always with our favorite segment each yeah. week what's tech connecting with you yep this is where we get to talk about something in the world of science business tech innovation or just a random story we feel random like thought. Yeah. chatting yeah. about yeah, today yeah, yeah, yeah. uh i'll let you start frederick what's tech connecting with you right now oh Boy, yeah, you've uh, you've you've thrown out a a, a great question. All kinds of stuff. I mean, um, we've uh, we talked a little bit about the you know the, the study we did yesterday. That's really top of mind because I think it's super cool to look at that. You know, differences between what's happening in the stores and the corporate uh, AI. I don't know. We can go there too. That's a really interesting one to to see. Yeah, I would frankly love to also have a conversation with the audience at some point, right around where is that going and how is. AI going to play a role. You mentioned personalization earlier, right? And uh, that's a, I think there's huge opportunities for, uh, uh, for AI in that space. Um, so yeah, where, where do you want to take it? <laughs> <laughs> that's no, a great question. Yeah, really. I, I'm, I mean, the AI thing always fascinates us and we, you know, we've, we've had conversations about generative AI. We've had conversations about machine vision and all that stuff. I'm still waiting. I Frederick, I don't know if this is a movie you're familiar with. This is a movie minority report with Tom Cruise, yeah. and Steven Spielberg. Very early on in our show, we were talking about that movie and that being oh, yeah. like the the future that we're fascinated to see if it comes to pass of where people will walk into a retail environment and get like an eye scan or whatever that immediately starts marketing directly to them and yep. screen. Yep. And we're kind of, we're getting there. Getting we're there. getting close to that. We're I mean, getting there. are you guys yeah. seeing stuff like that there? Are you seeing that possibility of, you know, the, the future maybe, you know, of, of super personalization? Yeah. Yeah. I think we're, we're not quite there yet, right? We got a ways to go to get there. But uh, yeah, why, I think so. But actually, you, you reminded me, uh, I know uh, we're, we're kind of getting close to Black Friday, but if I think back to Halloween, uh, there was uh, some young kids that walked up. I have a, a jack-o'-lantern on my front porch that um, you turn it on and it tells jokes. You know, it's kind of LED driven if you've seen one of those, right? Well, 
so I was amazed this young group, three young boys comes up to it and they start talking to it, expecting personalized answers. They thought it was essentially like an Alexa Siri conversation. And, and so, you know, thinking to this conversation at the time, I was like, wow, that, that tells you about the next generation of consumers and shoppers that, you know, what they're expecting. I want to walk in. I see something I can interact with. I'm going to expect it to interact with me in a certain way. I thought that was okay. All right. Well, that's, that's the, that's the goal. A good point. I didn't even think about that, Frederick. So my brother during Halloween, he would be the guy that, you know, had the, the character out right, front, right. The, the, the Halloween. And then he'd be behind a window with a microphone and he would yeah. talk with people, you know, because right, he could right. hear what they're saying and stuff like that. So when the kids would come up, you know, Hey, uh, happy jack o kind right, of a right. thing. I never <laughs> thought about AI replacing that with just a simple chat bot or a Siri or something well, like there that. There you go. Yeah. 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 Kids That's, these days. I'm yeah, I'm, what's, the, what's the ROI on an AI driven? Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of amazed that hasn't been a thing. Yet. I'm amazed it's that but to your point that, you know, that Alexa or Google or something hasn't yeah. put out, like an update for like for Halloween and specifically is like, Hey, drop the, drop your, you know, your little echo dot inside of an, uh, a jack-o'-lantern. Christmas and, is just around the corner. Let's see. Yeah. yeah there you, there go. you go. Yeah. There maybe, maybe that'll be it next. Maybe it'll be like a, I don't know, some kind of like AI Santa or whatever that will, you know, yeah, yeah, come yeah, down yeah, the yeah. chimney at night or something. Right. Like, oh, right. Oh, all right. Dean, what's well, tech connecting? I got you? a tech connecting that is AI based. So, um, have you ever looked at a picture of a dog only to find out it's a picture of a car? Uh, you, you've never done that before? No. No, no. Okay. No. Yeah, I've stumped you. Well, this is that dog car thing from what was that movie? Uh, Dumb and Dumber? It <laughs> <laughs> is a car dog. Touche, my friend. <laughs> but recent, researchers have released a tool that adds poison pixels to images that can corrupt AI models, which use the image to train. So, so here's the whole idea. If okay. you're an artist and you create a picture or something like that, right? And you don't want that to go out into the world and then have AI train on it. Uh, type of a thing. Well, this this company called uh, hold on here is is called yeah, Nightshade has created now an application where you know an artist can upload the image into it. It right. adds in pixels that quote unquote poison it, so that when an AI okay tries to it. read it, the a so it could be a picture. I'll just go back to my original uh, statement. If you uploaded a picture of a dog with these poison pixels pixels in it. The poison would make AI think that it's actually a picture of a car, and, and it's it's that's, wild. We'll put we'll put this in the show notes, but you'll see the examples of you know what the original photo was with a couple of poison pixels, maybe a hundred pixels or three hundred pixels, and depending on how many it is relative to what it'll the AI will actually think that it's looking at. So these guys that's have decoded AI in in the sense that they can cloak it and now fool it. Right, to a right. AI is getting so deep, dude. I mean, we, you know, you can't I love even how keep we've, up we've with gone from how to use AI to get information and create new stuff yep. to how to make sure the AI doesn't get your information to create There it stuff. is. There it is. Very so. quickly, we're already looking for the ways to get around this. <laughs> so the tool is going to be called Glaze. Uh, it, again, it subtly alters the work of an artist uh, by inserting these pixels and making AI systems detect the yeah, initial image yeah. completely differently than what it is. I like that. So it's if you want to protect your yeah, I get intellectual it. property and you don't want AI reading it, put in these poison pixels. Yeah, there, there you, you go. go. There yeah. you go. 
fascinating stuff. So what's tech connecting with you? Uh, all right. So you might, this might be something your kids have done, or if you live in a neighborhood where there's a lot of teen kids around yep. the, the whole like nerf blaster war. Oh gosh. Thing. Yeah. Were your that kids into on. that at all? Or? Oh yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. 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 And in high school, it's a thing. Yeah. And yeah, and, yeah still very much a thing, obviously very, very, very popular that the kids run around with those little nerf blasters that shoot the kind of, you know, soft pellets, you know, little, yep. little uh, darts out, if you will, or whatever, yep. and just go have wars with each other. That's well, right. apparently Hasbro, the, the company that owns Nerf, is taking this up a notch by actually starting <laughs> of course Nerf Ball as a sport. They call it a the first ever official sport of Nerf. They call it Nerf Ball. Um, and basically, they they to start promoting it last month. It was back in September, actually. They uh, they recruited twelve collegiate athletes to go do a big Nerf Ball battle tournament where they they've set up a field or whatever for Nerf Ball and have them go out there and fight. Now. Uh, uh, first of all, two things I'll tell you about this. One, I'll like tell you, paintball, is sort of. It? Okay, I'll all give right. you. I'll give you some specs around the game itself. Some of the rules behind it. So it's two teams, five by five by default. Yeah. Uh, with two additional players ready to substitute. Every player gets one blaster with sixty darts. They're not allowed to pick up any extras that are out on the field. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, and there's also there's a ball. There actually is a ball component to this. That's okay. out on the field too. Yeah. And you can pick up the ball. It's almost kind of like Quidditch from Harry Potter in a way. Yeah, yeah. Where you're out there, you can be shooting each other, and you get a point every time you shoot somebody. Yeah. And they have to go respawn, like, back at their base or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you can also pick up the ball... And you can kick it, toss it, throw it, pass it, whatever you need to do, and try to get it through a goal on your enemy side. Uh-huh. And you get six points for that in addition as well. So they're trying Ooh. to put these things now all over the nation? Yeah, kind of so they basically they're trying to build up I this gotcha. whole like Nerf ball thing in order gotcha. to make an actual sport. It'll probably be in the Olympics before we know it. <laughs> uh, but I, <laughs> as always, ball. I always put links to this stuff in our show notes. Check this one out because it shows you what like the field looks like with all the blockades and stuff and where the home base would be. And Well, maybe we should have a Team Blue Star versus Team there Toshiba. You go. There you go. Yeah. You know? I got Right. One uh, for you that I thought was crazy. I saw the um, you know you hit the balloon in the house and don't let the balloon touch the floor. Right, yes. right, yeah. 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 Have you seen that that they have like professional like courses now. They wear helmets. It's one on one. I believe they, it. They literally battle it out with a professional uh, uh, sport. I guess with keeping the balloon in the air. Yeah. So, you know you can turn anything into a sport. So I get it. Blue Star versus Toshiba in one of those. You got it. Let's Just make have it some fun. There we go. We, yeah. we took baseball out of the Olympics, but a sport like that will probably end up in there That's at right. some point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The other interesting Boom. part of this story is that they actually have also, Nerf says that they have developed a, a new soft foam padding system that actually will detect the darts specifically will detect oh, the darts when they hit you yes, to score points off I of. see, yeah. They didn't show it off at this little exhibition. They said it wasn't quite ready for that, but they did say that they've developed this and that it is only engineered to notice the darts. So it doesn't matter if you hit it with a gun, if uh, you're rolling around. It's proprietary. It's got it, got supposed it, got it, got to it, got it, only it. recognize the, the, the nice, dart hits nice. as well. So, yeah, well, there, there you go. go. That is what's coming soon to with you. Us. Yes, exactly. There you go. Frederick Carligren, thank you so much for joining us Thanks, today. We Frederick. appreciate having you on the show. Uh, hey, uh, it is time for us to unplug. But until next time, go out and encourage some innovation with your customers. Yes, fail get fast, your, get, it get done. your Christmas shopping early or on. If you're <laughs> if, if you're doing so this weekend, shop safely and maybe get some of that uh, smart foam that they're putting yes. out. So that like if a you know if a granny comes up and hip checks you or whatever, uh-huh. the, you know to get to that latest toy ahead of you. Maybe you you know you can register that. I you don't get know. points. There you. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe you get some points for that. Who knows? Points, yeah. Tur- turn shopping into a sport. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> and as always, folks, please stay connected. This episode of the Technic Podcast was brought to you by Toshiba. Create exceptional experiences today with the Toshiba TCX810 POS system. 
The TCX 810 POS system is Toshiba's most powerful and robust all-in-one point-of-sale system, delivering the performance, durability, adaptability, and serviceability your retail, retail customers need to thrive today and in the future. That's what we've been talking about today. Is Got that right. Adapting to the changes. Absolutely. Being ready for the now, being yep. ready for the future. Yep. Well, the TCX 810 has an industry-leading number of I.O. ports for maximum connectivity, multiple FHD screen sizes offering richer colors and deeper contrast, an 11th gen Intel processor, nice. and Wi-Fi and Bluetooth wireless connectivity. Boom. Uh, an IP53 rating makes this rugged system tough enough to endure seven years of spills, drops, and continuous chemical cleaning, or kicks in the yes, customer in the, in the studio innovation, yes, innovation yes. center. I'm yes. telling you, there's stuff last. Come all on, right, now. All right, so hey, you can go knock the uh, TCX 810 around a little bit. Um, <laughs> you might get a bill for it after the fact. Right. I don't know, so do it at your own discretion. But yeah. uh, Check out the link in the show notes or contact your Blue Star account manager to learn more. Technic Podcast is brought to you by ELO. Modern point of sale goes beyond just having a touch display and cloud software. You need some sleek functional accessories too, you right? Yeah. Yes, yes. It's got to look cool. It's got to have a nice yeah. presentation well, to it. Accessories. Yes. Uh, ELO has that covered with their retail hardened Z-Series POS stands. Each model of the Z-Stand offers cable concealment to keep counter spaces clean. Mm -hmm. I remember what that was like back in the day. Right. When you had these cords just giant mass of yeah. cords and cables that were collecting dust. dust. And, yes. Oh, my God. I would, I would be the person who had to get back there like once a year and clean that crap clean out. Because I was the only one that cared. You Not, know, it's so. still, it's better than the grease trap, dude. But anyway, go okay, ahead. all yeah, right, yeah, I'll yeah, give yeah. you uh, that's probably true. I'll give you that. Uh, a single cable connection to add a customer facing display and compatibility with ELO's i series displays. The Z20 and 30 offer integrated IO, and the Z30 can include an integrated customer display. Z stands are also available as a component of pre packaged ELO Posi Android point of sale solutions for compact spaces, full service to self service versatility, or maximum connectivity with interactive CFD. To compare options to find the right stand for your next POS install, check out the link in the show notes or contact the Blue Star ELO team. Technic Podcast is also brought to you by Zebra. Zebra recently sponsored a special episode of the podcast yes. that featured a panel of industry experts and a live audience asking questions. Yes. The topic? Do you remember? What? No. Of course you don't. Uh, He's like, I just show up for I these just, things. Yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> Point of sale payments and retail and hospitality uh, trends. Yes. The panelists, I'm not going to make you guess. Remember who those Please don't. Yes. Zebra's director of product management for POS and payments, Andrew Kim. CDW's director of strategic industries, Andy Zanger. Also a separate guest on yes. the pod before. Yep. And retail manager and hero, CEO, Jeff Riley. Mr. We had, Riley. We the goods. That's right. Us That's two goons were there, too. Powerful team. Yeah, we, we were there, too, but we were just yeah. mostly letting those brilliant folks do it. Oh, absolutely. Talking, so. 100%. Uh, Check out the episode to hear about mobile and tab pause shifts, PCI 4.0 implementation, the move from Windows to cloud-based cybersecurity risks, and much more. Check out the TechNet podcast episode number 159 by clicking the link in the show notes or finding it anywhere you get podcasts.